You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Belly on up to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris Lanuti. At the other end of my bar is Dave, friend of over 40 years who lost his mind on the last episode. If you missed it, go back and listen, but it is not for the faint of heart. That episode, this episode, and all the other episodes of Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions here on the southwest side of Chicago. Family-owned, veteran-owned, female-owned. Foundation or basement issues of any kind, call on them. The phone number's Right on the label for Socks in the Basement in your podcast player, you can go to FAMWS.com. It's very easy to remember how to get a hold of them, though, because all you got to do is bring up the Socks in the Basement podcast right there on the logo. There's all the info for Family Waterproofing Solutions, big proud sponsors of Socks in the Basement. And thank you to them for providing so much to us so we can bring you not one but two shows a week now. On the show that came out on Wednesday, my buddy Dave down here, sitting here, not even looking like he wants to talk on the microphone, lost his gourd, completely went off the deep end. The Tony La Russa hire broke him. And a lot of people have asked me, was that real? Yeah, it was real. It's still real. It's uncomfortably real as he sits down here. I think he's insane. I will read some of the comments that were put out. James Fox, our guest today, is going to be breaking down the White Sox possible path through free agency and who he thinks they're targeting first. Coming up here in just moments on this show, actually retweeted the episode even though he wasn't even in it, saying this episode features Dave at his finest, absolutely wonderful. So he thought it was hysterical, but it was crazy talk. On Twitter, at Shy Sox Shins, listening to Socks in the Basement podcast, and I gotta say I'm not at Dave's level. However, I think if this doesn't pan out, Dave will not be the only one who can't and won't forgive Jerry Reinstorf. What a great episode. Folks, don't encourage him. At Big 35 Hurt says, Chris, I got to say, you're far and away the smartest guy in all these White Sox podcasts. Thank you. Thank you very much. You win points with me for that one. Keep up the good work. P.S. Dave, and I'm going to paraphrase here, is not acting like himself on this Tony hiring. It will work out extremely well. Tell him to go take a pill or something. Another one I'm going to have to clean up here. This was on Facebook. Mark says, Listening to Dave whine and moan like a five-year-old was so embarrassing. Worst reaction I've heard from a Sox fan yet. La Russa is now the manager and the Sox will be thanking him soon enough. Love the show, by the way, but this one was tough to listen to. Trust me, it was tough to be a part of it. Like I said, everybody thinks that this is like an act. It's not an act. My friend, are, are you going to be able to come back and do the show this week? What, what, what are you prepared to talk about this week? You know... <sighs> It's amazing. I uh, have started reading some Danielle Steele novels. I never really, I just, I never really knew just the nuances of, of the writings and, and the alliteration and the foreshadowing. I mean, it's, it's really, dude, it's deep stuff, man. It's really good reading. I mean, it's, it's way, way better than reading White Sox uh, updates because like, you know, at the end of some of these Danielle Steele novels, the the bad guy who is either incompetent, greedy, or just, you know, just an idiot uh, actually dies at the end. So it's really rewarding to to have that happen, you know, and, and just to see, wow, you know, the good guys, 
the people who deserve to win actually could win sometimes. The hero actually gets the girl instead of what we got, which is Tony LaRussa. All right. I see we're acting like a baby again. That's great. Fine. Just sit there. I plan an entire show. I can do it without you. I don't even know why you drove over here if this is your plan. It's a beautiful weekend. The sun is shining. Tony LaRussa has an awful lot of names he's got to learn, but still, I'm not buying this whole thing that the media is trying to push now that somehow Tony LaRussa not knowing all of their names at this very moment means that he won't be able to manage this team. I'm also not buying the hype machine trying to get clicks that keeps bringing up Tim Anderson wants to keep flipping bats. Like that's going to somehow make Tony LaRussa not want him on his team. Tony LaRussa will be just fine with it. I think I said this on my last show or two shows ago. Albert Pujols pimped a lot of home runs. If you're a good player, I think Tony will be just fine with it. You want to know what Tony LaRussa wants? He wants to win a title. You want to know what Jerry Reinsdorf wants? He wants Tony to win a title to get some sort of weight off his shoulders that Tony LaRusso went to the Hall of Fame and got three World Series titles and none of it had anything to do with the White Sox. And the Sox are flush. Fangraphs put out something within the last 24 hours. A depth chart gauge. A quick way to look at the 2021 positional strengths and weaknesses. There are only three teams in Major League Baseball that were listed as having a strength at every position on the field. The White Sox were one of those teams. Another one was the Minnesota Twins. It's going to be a competitive division, but the Sox are poised to have a big, big offseason if they want to spend the money. We're going to talk to James Fox here coming up in 60 seconds, joining us on Sox in the Basement about what the path may be through free agency and who the Sox might start with first. Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement listeners, congratulations. You have a new Southside Hangout. Jack's Place in Chicago Ridge at 7000 West Southwest Highway. Jack's Place is a small, clean sports bar with a flat screen everywhere you look. Plus, their private video gaming room is away from the cheers of those watching the game. And with the cleanest bathrooms in town, they are a great date night spot. And now Jack's Place is teaming up with John Natanik and Country Insurance for teacher appreciation days, union member specials, and police and fire Fridays. Follow them both on Facebook for dates and details. Plus, give John a call now at Country Insurance, 708-289-9935 for your home, auto, or life insurance needs. Plus, a free Dunkin' Donuts gift card given out to you. And all you have to do is text him right now. Use that number, let him quote you, no strings attached, 708-289-9935. Jack's Place in Chicago Ridge and John Natanik at Country Insurance. They have you covered, Sox fans. Joining me on the phone line right now, good friend of the show. We've had him on a bunch of times since Dave isn't talking yet. Uh, I got to fill this show with guests and, and who better to go talk to than James Fox, future Sox, writes for SI. The man is everywhere around the White Sox. He's done a great job over the last couple of years. And although I know he was disappointed in the managerial hire, he has at least been able to move on. How are you, James? I'm okay. I'm, I'm a lot better than your partner is. My goodness. He's a disaster. Yeah. Yeah, he sounds like he's in a rough spot. He may need to have some counseling or something. And I don't even want to break the news to him that the White Sox seem to have had a plan to hire A.J. Hinch and then go get this pitching coach from Michigan and he ends up now going to Detroit with Hinch. So the Tigers got what it seems like the front office wanted for their staff. 
Uh, you, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure there's other pitching coaches that can achieve what Rick Hahn wants to do, but I mean, how upset or how concerned should White Sox fans be that they didn't get supposedly the pitching coach they wanted? So I think we should wait to see like who the hire actually ends up being. But I mean, you know, it's a little bit annoying. Like if anybody followed my uh, Twitter feed today, I mean, Chris Fetter is one of these guys who's like considered a rising star in the industry. He's the pitching coach at Michigan. You know, I think they talked to him. There was a lot of, I guess there was a lot of questions as to whether he would leave Michigan. He pitched there himself. He got a pretty good gig, um, a wife and a kid, that li- and they live in Ann Arbor, and they really like it there. So, you know, I was under the impression that he might be tough to get. Now, I think him going to Detroit, he probably doesn't have to move. But then it comes out from John uh, Paul Morrissey today that basically the White Sox had hired A.J. Hinch that Chris Fetter probably would have came to Chicago with him. So, you know, that kind of sucks. It doesn't mean that they can't get a good pitching coach. I think they have talked to outside candidates. I think one of the names to watch is Ethan Katz, who's the assistant pitching coach for the San Francisco Giants. He's the infamous uh, Lucas Giolito, like, pitch whisperer guy. He was Lucas Giolito's high school coach at Harvard Westlake, um, also had Max Green and Jack Flaherty in the rotation. So if that's the move the White Sox end up making, it's still really good. He's in a similar vein to Chris Fetter. Some might argue that Ethan Cass is an even better move than that. And if not that, then, you know, maybe they go internal with one of their young guys that are, that are super highly regarded. But, I mean, you know, the biggest thing here is it just paints to the, the organizational structure and the path and whatever plans that the front office might have had were kind of – you know, null and void now, I guess. Yeah, I kind of feel like Han has to start figuring out how do I create the relationship with LaRusa that gives me the most pull? Because if the owner loves him this much to do this, then the owner may be influenced if LaRusa goes and knocks on his door and goes, you know, I've been talking to Rick and I agree with him. We need to spend money or go get this guy. And and that's the only positive I could find with it is that if Han can find a way as shell-shocked as he may be to get LaRusa in his camp on what he wants to do, he would have a pretty strong voice that he could have go directly to the owner if he wanted him to. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think, you know, I think I've joked that Rick Hahn is now like the assistant general manager of the White Sox because, I mean, Tony LaRusso to me seems like the most powerful guy in the organization outside of the owner. Yeah, I mean, they better nestle up next to Tony and find out what he wants. You know, after he finds out like what the players' names are, of course, maybe he could tell them some of the things that he wants. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of Han's only choice here. I think, you know, I think it's been told, look, I've been told that, that Han is, and Kenny are picking the rest of the coaching staff. But I was under the impression that Rick Han was going to pick the manager too, and that didn't happen. So that's where I kind of think, you know, we need to see, like, how this plays out and see who ends up on this staff. But you and I have had these discussions. Like, what happens when – Tony wants something that Rick doesn't necessarily want. Like who wins out in the end, you know, that's going to be like one of the interesting things to watch goes forward. So let's talk about free agents. Let's talk about guys that are out there right now. I mean, I know, and I've made it very clear to everybody that you go get Trevor Bauer in my mind, that you're, you should be right in there going after him. Uh, He's a guy who's not going to necessarily, he might, but he not necessarily is going to be looking for a lot of years. He's going to be looking for a lot of money. He's been on the record for a long time saying he wants money and he wants to play for that contract and earn the money. He's a new age kind of thinker when it comes to how he makes his money and betting on himself. Uh, That's who I want, but realistically, 
Who are the names that we should be paying attention to the most based upon what you're hearing in your circles? Like, I've heard a lot about George Springer, um, you know, and how, like, that could be the guy where they try to jump the market with George Springer and get him. But I don't know how much that move was linked to, like, them signing the guy who I thought was the favorite to manage in A.J. Hinch. So if they really step out, like, three weeks from now and they sign a, um, sign a George Springer to be their new right fielder, then I don't think like the pitching additions are going to be, you know, like a Trevor Bauer or a Marcus Stroman. I would think then it's maybe Jake Odorizzi and you trade for somebody. I know they do have trade interest in guys. They've talked about Lance Lynn still. They've had trade talks um, with the Rockies with for like all of their starters. Herman Marquez, I think would be awesome, but really expensive. And then John Gray is a guy and, and Kyle and Freeland who teams like try to get pitching from Colorado all the time, right? Because those guys do better elsewhere. I don't know. I think, I don't think it's going to be your typical like off season after like the pandemic that people are expecting, right? Where they're just going to like bring back Nomar Mazzara and, and go super cheap here. I mean, they hired Tony. I think they hired Tony to win. I think they're going to spend how much, I'm not really sure because I've heard conflicting stuff. I mean, the, the national media seems to think that the White Sox are in a group of three or four teams that are like really going to spend. Now, does that mean that they're going to sign Trevor Bauer and George Springer? Like I would obviously bet no. And I think you would agree there, but you know, can they get one big free agent like that? And then fill in the rest. I think, I think that's realistic. They make a couple of moves on the positive side of the ledger. I mean, they're, they could be, you know, the, the favorites in the American League, let alone the AL Central favorites. Two big things to unpack there in what you said. The first thing that strikes me is it, it makes sense for Jerry Reinstorf now to be able to say, I told you so to everybody around him. I don't know. I mean, I've questioned whether or not that even matters to him, but it'd be weird for him to be like, I'm bringing in Tony LaRussa. I'm going to get crucified. I really don't care what anybody thinks about it but I'm also not going to spend any money. I'm going to let Tony fail. So that, that's the one thing that always that kind of strikes me. The other thing is that you, when I say name me a free agent, you picked a player and not a pitcher is the first thing out of your mouth in George Springer. I always thought this team would look at this and say, we need more pitching. That's what we needed in the postseason. But you're saying not necessarily so. It might be a splash in right field. Well, so I think that, if you make the right field splash for the big money, I think there's still avenues towards acquiring pitching. Whereas the other way around, say you sign Trevor Bauer, everybody's going to be super excited. But then you're looking at possibly, what, like a right field platoon with a, with a Jack Peterson or an angle, or, you know, you go and make a move for a guy like a Andrew Benatendi, who I don't really think is very good. So I think that, like, if you can get George Springer and you can get him to commit. And I know that, you know, he's not a left-handed hitter. He's another righty, but he's, like, been really good for a long time. I think you do that, and you figure out the pitching later. My, I agree with you. Like, if they land Trevor Bauer, like, it's going to be awesome. But my fears about Trevor Bauer are that he's going to get a lot more money than he might be worth. I mean, last year was his first really good season. Before that, he was just, like, pretty good. And I don't know if he reverts back to pretty good. And, and I really... I'm having a tough time like reading the market on him. Like I've seen some people talk about like a Strasburg deal, which would be like seven years at like 245. Like I can't see any way to like to do something like that for a pitcher. But they did offer five at 125 for Zach Wheeler last year. Now 
Meyer might get more than that. So I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I think they definitely understand that pitching is a priority. I just don't know if they're going to spend, like, the huge money on a pitcher or if they would sign two guys like Jake Odorizzi and then you still have Dunning and Kopech and the other guys, too, to kind of see what you have. So, I mean, that's something – I think we hear them involved, Ben Bauer, for sure. I just don't know if, like, they get that done. Let's kind of run through a couple of quick positional needs, and I'm just kind of curious what your take is. Will they stay in the organization? Will they go find somebody to replace this person or or make a move at that position? Let's start at catcher because James McCann is going to cost an awful lot of money, and I seriously doubt the White Sox are going to spend that money to bring him back to be a backup catcher. Do you keep Zach Collins penciled in as the backup catcher in 2021, or do they go out and get a catcher? I think they bring in another defensive catcher, but I don't think it's going to be like, anybody expensive like I wouldn't be you know what I mean like it'll be somebody that's probably a little bit better defensively that's in camp that could be your backup but I don't know I kind of feel like they might give Zach Collins a chance just because they didn't have any left-handed bats and from what I understand the reason why Zach Collins wasn't really given a shot was Ricky Renteria like Ricky just for whatever reason Ricky didn't like Zach Collins very much and he didn't trust him so now that Ricky's gone you know, I think that helps Zach Collins. But I also understand people's apprehension to have, like, you know, Zach Collins as your primary backup. But you can't really deal him, though. Like, he, he doesn't have any value because the Sox, like, have used him weird and they haven't, they haven't really found a way to extract any value because they haven't used him. They played Wellington Castillo over and he didn't play very much last year. It's a weird roster. So I don't, I don't foresee them spending money at backup catcher, but it could be, like, a new name seen all sorts of stuff about Yadier Molina on Twitter and it makes no sense. Like they they are not gonna you know, like having McCann last year some people thought was a luxury, but like it just doesn't make any sense. Like when you have if Monty Grandal for the money that you paid him, that dude has to catch like probably hundred and twenty times. And you're not gonna have DH in first base open because you have Jose Abreu and you're probably gonna have Vaughn like in short order. So I don't really understand where where some of that comes from. I mean, yeah, it's like, can't have too many good players, but the roster is still weird. So as long as Jose Abreu is here, and that's fine. Like, he had a great year, obviously. Probably going to win American League MVP. It kind of makes makes the roster fits a little bit tough because you don't have, like, a DH spot open. Another position that I'm curious about is Nick Madrigal's position second base. I've read a few things where people are indicating don't believe 100% that's his automatically I, I'd be surprised by that. I'm kind of curious about what your take is. Is this is this team thinking they could move him? Is this team thinking he's there? He's playing pretty much every game at second in 2021? Or is this team thinking we should have another option or somebody to push him at second base? No, I think I think the job is his if he's on the team for sure. But I don't I don't necessarily think that they would be super opposed to trading McMahon though at this point. Like if you. Like, I brought up a guy earlier, Herman Marquez, and I had heard that the White Sox have, have had heavy interest in him, and he's basically the Rocky base. Like, he's really good. He's young. He's under control. I mean, I can't see the White Sox trading Andrew Vaughn or Michael Kopech, so I can't really see the White Sox getting Herman Marquez. Like, I don't know how you do it without one of those guys unless, you know, you find a team that really loves Nick Madrigal and you include, like, a Dylan Cease in that package and maybe some prospects to go with it. So, you know, I think Madrigal used in a deal for a pitcher and then turning around and signing a Tommy Lestella or a Kelton Wong or Colton Wong to play second. 
you balance out your lineup with another lefty. I think that makes some sense. I don't think they're looking to trade Madrigal, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it at this point just because he's an interesting player. He's kind of a throwback, but he's another righty in a lineup full of righties. And if you can get left-handed somewhere while improving the pitching, I think they'd probably consider it. I love the fact that you went right back to the, the Rockies thing and the example of uh, Herman Marquez. I, I'm going to tell you something. That's what I thought was Nick Madrigal. The Rockies have had Ryan McMahon. They've tried him out at second base. It has not worked the way they wanted to. They thought Brendan Rodgers was going to be the guy. It has not worked out the way that they wanted to. They're constantly trying to find somebody to put in there. Garrett Hampson, it's not It's not happening the way that they wanted to. They're still looking for that really good defensive second baseman with Pop. Uh, that, that gapper power that Madrigal has, he could start clearing the wall out in Denver. It'd be interesting to see if they're interested in going and grabbing a guy like Nick Madrigal we go out and get a guy like Colton Wong, and we pick up a, a really good pitcher out of the Rockies organization when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like the perfect offseason, right? Like if you if, – if Jerry Reinsdorf decided to spend his money on George Springer and then they signed Colton Wong and traded a Nick Madrigal Dylan Cease package for Herman Marquez, like I think that would – I think everybody forget about Tony LaRusso like really quick. So – yeah, like maybe they do something like that. I don't know. Like I, I just I, I don't know how soon this this off is going to start moving. So I feel like we might have a couple more of these conversations. But look, I think they know that they need pitching. You're right about that. I just don't know who exactly those names are going to be and like what the fit's going to be. And I think they're worried, obviously, right now about finally getting the coaching staff like signed and announced like before they're too worried about free agents. So I think that. They jumped the market last year on Grandall, right? And that was, like, still the third week of November, I feel like. And that was, like, one of the first big signings in baseball. I want it all now, James. I need it taken care of now. My co-host is catatonic at the end of the bar. I I need it now. So whatever we got to do, something needs to happen here. Nobody cares. James Fox, Future Sox, writes for SI. Listen, man, I really appreciate every time you come on the show. I know you took some time out today uh, to give me a call and uh, a lot of interesting possibilities for the White Sox this offseason. All right, Chris, thanks for having me, man. Sox in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. So let's talk real quick about what James Fox just went through, what he explained to all of us. I find it fascinating that I'm assuming it's Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer, go get Trevor Bauer. And I feel like that's a smart way to approach free agency because Trevor Bauer is the best pitcher that's out there. If you're going to argue with me that there's a better pitcher available to you, you're wrong. That's the guy you probably want to go out and get. 
but he might be a little overpriced. There might be other guys that you want to go out and get. The Sox might not be as concerned about finding pitching because there might be pitching to be gotten in the trade market. So if the Sox think they can trade for a pitcher, it may be easier to get the quality pitcher than to get the quality position player. So if you really want to upgrade the team, the offense, and the outfield, Springer would be the guy that the White Sox would target. That's the guy that James Fox just told us. He could see that. He hears a buzz around that. He's getting indications. That could be the direction they could go in. Anybody that doubts whether or not he's got good sources, remember, this is the guy. Knew that Yohan Moncada was going to be getting a long-term extension. Everybody on the White Sox said, don't listen to that guy. He's just some crazy guy with a Twitter account. He was right. Six days later, he nailed it. He broke Luis Robert. Nationally recognized for both of those signings, the Luis Robert long-term deal so he could report in a camp. James Fox had it before anybody else. There's a reason why he went from being a blogger to being the editor-in-chief over at Future Sox to having SI let him write for him, and now he has press access over at the team. He earned it. And I trust him a lot more than I trust other people that supposedly have insiders. We're very fortunate here on Sox in the Basement. We get to talk to guys like James Fox. We get the national scene from Chris Wick. We got Scott Merkin from MLB.com who covers the team and give you a feel as to what's going on. And we can kind of glean things off of Scott when he comes on the show because he doesn't hide anything from you. As long as you ask him the right kind of question, he'll give you the answer in one way or another. I love the guys who were able to get on this show. James is a big part of that. If he tells me that he has indications that it's possible the Sox could target Springer off the bat because they think they can go get a pitcher, that the Sox have interest in several pitchers on the Rockies pitching staff. And remember, when you look at Rockies pitchers, you go, well, there's uh, this guy, there's this guy, there's this guy. They're kind of average. They're kind of middling. But when they're in Colorado, all pitchers look bad. Let's take a look at Yerman Marquez. Looks like German when you punch it in there. But that's not exactly how he pronounces it. Here's a guy with a whip of 1.26 in 2020, 1.20 in 2019, 1.20 in 2018. His FIP basically sits in the threes, although in 19, it was just over a four at 4.06. He's never pitched 200 innings, but he's come close in the last two full seasons of 18 and 19. When you look at his career in Colorado, a whip of 1.423. Away from Colorado, a whip of 1.137. That's what you look for. Kyle Freeland, another guy that James Fox just mentioned. Another guy the White Sox might be interested in. They would like to poach somebody out of that Rockies pitching rotation, possibly. But it would take a trade. Well, if they decided to go out there and look at Kyle Freeland, here's a guy who just finished his year 27 season, and he's going into his year 28. In 2018, he had a whip for the entire season of 1.24, But in 19, it went up to 1.58, and in the shortened season, 1.41. His fielding independent pitching was 3.67 in 18, but got up to 5.99 in 19, and then back down to 4.65 in the shortened season. The bad news for him, though, there's no real difference in his stats home and away. In fact, he might actually be slightly better in Colorado. So the Sox are going to have to do their homework if they go shopping in that Rockies rotation. And while I'm interested in a trade, I don't deal a guy like Nick Madrigal away unless I'm getting something in return. Even though he's old school, even though he doesn't hit a lot of home runs, plays fairly good defense, he's going to get better. 
He's a terrible base runner, but hopefully that'll improve. But there's a lot of potential there for that kid. And I don't want to discount him and just give him away for nothing. So you'd want real talent back for him. It all depends on what's out there on the table and what you have to give up to get somebody. It is completely possible, though, that the White Sox have looked at going out and getting position players through trades and have been unable to pull it off. And they may have decided they have a better chance of getting a pitcher this year. I mean, how long have they been trying to get Jack Peterson? I feel like his name's been coming up for two years. Now he's in free agency. You can go get him. At this point, though, I don't know if he's the right guy to go get. I wouldn't be shocked if they went and got him. There was smoke around him back at SoxFest two years ago. There was smoke around him last year. If Kenny Williams was running the entire thing, I would say, well, Kenny always gets his guy, so he's going to go out and get those guys now. Could be Tony's call. Could still be Rick Hahn's call. It's going to be a fascinating offseason here, White Sox fans. Remember, if you want to join in, you want to talk, you want to leave a comment, anything you want to do, you can always reach out to us. I mean, we're on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, but you can also give us a call, 708-459-8406, 708-459-8406. Maybe next week, Dave will actually talk about something that has to do with the White Sox. Until then, we will keep lining up everything we can to keep you informed throughout the offseason and have as much fun as humanly possible. My name is Chris for Captain Crazy at the end of the bar. This is Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.